Great to see you today. Very excited about a message we're going to be bringing today. This is going to be our last message in a series talking about temptation and sin. And we've kind of been using as a springboard text, 2 Corinthians 2.11, which simply says, least Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Uh, one of the things that the devil wants to do is he wants to get you to fight against people. Now, the Bible tells us that, that literally our enemy is not flesh and blood, but it's principalities and powers. It's Satan and demon power. A physical person is never the enemy. And what Satan would like to do is to get you misfocused and focus on a person instead of on the real enemy. And that's him. He will be behind it. He'll motivate but he wants to divide. He wants to, to bring strife and division. Uh, Johnny Breakin is going to be here next week. Jeannie and I were missionaries in Mexico for several years. And when we left, literally, it was like Johnny went down and took our place. Uh, went to the same village. <laughs> and uh, he talks about one of the first time he was in a pastor's meeting there. Now, this is up in the mountains. I mean, like, you go till the road ends and then you ride a mule for three, four, five, six, up to 24 hours to get to a village. So he's at this, this village and they're having a pastor's conference. And uh, there, there was there were these two, two guys in the church and both of them thought they should be the pastor. And the one's up front and, 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 and he gets up and he says, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, Guillermo and I'm the pastor here. And I want to welcome everybody. And somebody in the back says, no, I'm one. And I am the pastor here. And Guillermo says, no, I am the pastor. And one says, you are not the pastor. And the other says, yes, I am. And one reaches in his satchel. And you got to know, in the mountain men, they all carry this little satchel like a man purse. And we always say, you, you never know what's in the purse. He reaches in and hauls out a gun. And says, I am the pastor. He says, no, you're not. Boom, boom. Start shooting. The pastor behind the podium reaches into his satchel, pulls out a gun. Boom, 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 boom. Church fight. <laughs> now listen, listen, listen. The devil is the author of strife. Only by pride comes contention and strife. It's the only way it comes. But, but what Satan wants to do is get you to think that somebody else is your enemy. It's your boss. It's your mother-in-law. It's this person. It's this group of people. But honestly, all of that strife, all that division is nothing but the devil working his kingdom, getting people to fight people. Because flesh, the Bible says flesh and blood is not our enemy. The living Bible says this. Our enemy, it is people or spirits without bodies. It's the devil that is the enemy. Now, it says we shouldn't be ignorant of that. Now, one of the other things that, that I've noticed is how many people get mad at God. They, they, they are mad. Something happened. And they say, God, why did you do this? Now, listen to me. And a big part of it is the church's fault. Because here's what I heard in church growing up. God's in control. 
God is in control. And everything that comes your way is just God's will. So let me just address that for just a minute. And I, I, I don't want to oversimplify this, but I'm just going to give you the two main reasons why we see the mess that we're in. The first one was found in Proverbs 12 in verse three. It says a man owns folly brings his way to ruin. Another translation says ruins his life. His heart rages against the Lord. In other words, people make bad decisions and do dumb stuff. And then they reap what they sow. And they're like, God, why did you do this to me? It happens a lot. But, but here's, the, here's the, the far overreaching thing that needs to be addressed. When God created man in Genesis chapter one, this is the first thing he said about him. Let him have dominion. Let him have dominion over this whole earth. In Genesis chapter one, chapter two, we find God has created this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful earth. And he's got his man, Adam and Eve, in this beautiful, beautiful garden. And God's having fellowship with them. And then the devil shows up. And he tempts Adam and Eve. And literally, they bow their knee to God's enemy, the devil. And when they do, when they, when, when, when they bow their knee, they sin. Now, Romans says this, therefore... Just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men. They bowed their knee to Satan and sin and death came into this world. Now, here's what I think is interesting. Genesis chapters one and two. Everything's perfect. Everything is perfect. Man is there's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no strife, there's no tension, there's, there, there is not, everything is perfect, no death, no famine, no war, no disease, there's nothing. The devil shows up. And, and, and how many of you realize things are messed up? In Revelation chapter 20 in verse 10, the devil is finally taken care of. It says the devil who deceives them is cast into the lake of fire and brimstone with the beast and the false prophet are and they're tormented day and night forever and ever. So first two chapters, it's perfect. Now there's two more chapters in the Bible and this is how it starts. Right? One, chapter 20, the devil's taken care of. Chapter 21, I saw a new heaven, new atmosphere and a new earth. The first atmosphere, first earth had passed away. There was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a voice, a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. God will wipe away every tear from their eye. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying, no more pain for the former things have passed away. When the devil's not here in the beginning, it's perfect. When we get rid of the devil again, it's going to be perfect. No more sin, no more death, no more pain, no more sickness, no more disease, no more war, no more racial tension. Every, you name it, it's gone once the devil is gone. Now, the devil comes to Jesus 
in the desert and tempts him. And shows him, the Bible says, in a moment of time, he just shows him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And that's what he said. He said, if you'll bow down and worship me, it'll all be yours because it has been delivered to me and I can give it to whomsoever I wish. Who let the devil in? Adam. He took Adam's authority, Adam's position, and he's been using it ever since. Listen, we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. But that's why Jesus said to pray, your kingdom come. Because once that kingdom comes in full force and the devil is thrown into that pit, we're going to have heaven on earth again. It's coming back. James chapter 1, verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brother. Listen, there's only a few places the Bible says not to be deceived. And every place the Bible tells us not to be deceived is where we are the most deceived. Don't be deceived. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father of light in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God doesn't have bad Mondays. God is not schizophrenic. Do one thing on Monday and something else on Wednesday. There is no variation, not even a shadow of turning with God. Jesus said it this way, the thief, he comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I, I, wanna, I wanna help you with your theology this morning. So I want you to say this, say, good God, bad devil, good God, bad devil. One more time. Good God, bad devil. If it came from God, it is good. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the father of life. And there is no variation. He does not have bad days. He does not change. And if it's bad, it didn't come from God. It came in this world through sin and through death. And the day is coming when everything is going to be reversed. There is a time period where Satan is running around on this earth. We could say he's using Adam's lease. But the time's going to run out and the kingdom's going to come. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. And the pain and the sorrow and the death, it's all going to be gone. James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. A lot of us focus on that resist the devil and it's important. But just as important, maybe more important, is the submit to God part. Now, submitting to God, it's submitting to his spirit. But let me just say this, it's submitting to his will. And to be just, just very, very short, his word is his will. His word is his will. I, I love what the prophet Habakkuk said. He said, I will look to see what he will say to me. Somebody's want, some people are going, like, what is God saying? What's the God saying? Open the book. Look and see what he will say to you. 
Because 98% of what he's going to say, he's going to say from the book. And he's never going to say anything by his spirit that contradicts the book. Never. So what, what we can't have, if we're going to submit to God, we can't be debating about what applies to us, what doesn't apply to us. In other words, we can't doubt the word. We can't rationalize and we say, well, that's just not true anymore. That's not true for me. You know, we're living in a, in a modern society. That's an ancient book. How many of you know he changes not? He changes not. In, in 1942, the Allies found themselves unable to achieve a decisive victory against Rommel, Rommel in the Egyptian Western Desert. Rommel had been nicknamed the Desert Fox. He had so often and so effectively outmaneuvered the Allied forces. Finally, fearing Rommel would outwit them, Churchill sent Field Marshal uh, Montgomery to take the Allied command. Now, he was autocratic, but a persistent general. Churchill called him indomitable in retreat, invincible in advance, and insufferable in victory. Now, he was the one who finally outfoxed the desert fox, Rommel. But it's very surprising what he found. When he arrived, he found that every command was questioned by those immediately under him all the way down the chain. Every time there was a command, it was questioned, it was debated, and ultimately not carried out. So would he immediately put a stop to it? And under his leadership, orders were not questioned, they were not debated, they were not discussed, they were simply obeyed. And it brought victory. It brought victory. Now, really, the same thing is true when it comes to God's word. You say, but I disagree. Yeah, but the Bible says it is forever settled in heaven. You might have a debate, but as far as God's concerned, it's settled. It's true not because you believe it or not because I believe it. It's true because God said it. He does not lie. So in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not of the flesh but have divine power to pulling down strongholds. Now, a stronghold here is simply a, a hold that the enemy gets on you that is strong, that is hard to break free from. We destroy arguments, every lofty opinion that raises against, that, that, that's raised against the knowledge of God and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So the battle, spiritual warfare, takes place in your mind. The battlefield is right here. It's in your mind. It's arguments. It's opinions. It's thoughts. And by the way, when it comes to opinions, uh, how many of you know everybody has one? And who really cares? I mean, I can't, you know, I have a people say, what do you think about this? What's your opinion about this? And I'm like, who cares what my opinion is? What did God say about it? Because what my opinion is does not matter. And what your opinion is does not matter. The only thing that really matters is what does God say about it? But there's going to be opinions. There's going to be arguments. Going to, notice it says every thought needs to be brought to the obedience of Christ. Now, almost 500 years ago, Martin Luther said this. He said, you cannot stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. So what he meant was this. Thoughts are going to come, right? But you don't need to entertain those thoughts. In fact, the Bible says when one comes and it disagrees with the word of God, you need to bring it into captivity. 
You reject that thing. You say, no, I do not accept that. I'm not going to act on that. I don't believe that. And you replace it with God's thought. That is really what spiritual warfare is. It's, it's something that takes place in your mind. I know people with all sorts of crazy, crazy stuff saying it's spiritual warfare. They want to go up in an airplane and get high because we're going to attack spirits in heavenly places. Oh, my goodness. Give me a break. It is not. It is, all the higher it's got to get is your head. Because that's where the problems are. That's where the enemy is attacking. He's attacking in our mind, in our thoughts. And we need to do like Habakkuk and look to see what he will say to us. Let me just give you a couple examples. Abortion. You know, people say, well, every child needs to be wanted. And it's just really mercy to terminate an unwanted pregnancy. Women have the right over their own body. Now, those are some arguments. Those are some thoughts. But let me give you a few of God's thoughts on the subject. Mary, or excuse me, Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. She's just entered her sixth month. And Mary walks in the house, the mother, going to be mother of Jesus, and just says, hello. And the Bible says, John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb and was filled with the Holy Spirit. He, was, he, he wasn't even born. Had a spiritual experience with God. Jeremiah, who ultimately becomes a prophet, God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Who formed you? God. He said, and before you were formed, I knew you. Wow. He said, I sanctified you or I set you apart. I had a plan for you that you would be a prophet to the nations. See, God has a plan for every child, every unborn child. God has a plan. God has a purpose. See, and we need to take the thoughts of this world into captivity to the obedience of Christ in his word. You know, we're living, (laughs) somebody says, yeah, but the Supreme Court said, listen, the Supreme Court is not the Supreme Court. You see, the Bible says God is the judge of all. And ultimately, everybody's going to stand before the Supreme Court. There's going to be a judgment day. How many of you know the Supreme Court can make all sorts of crazy decisions? It doesn't have anything to do with the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of this world. But we're a part of a different kingdom. Infidelity. Today, it's just kind of like glorified. They just say, well, you know, monogamy, it's just not a natural relationship. And my spouse doesn't understand me. Here's one. I remember this one. God came, you know, well, my wife doesn't make me happy, but my secretary does. And God wants me to be happy. And I said, God doesn't want you happy. He wants you holy. <laughs> but, but listen, listen. If you'll be holy, you will be happy. And this, is what, this is what God said to, to Jesus. He says, because you've hated iniquity and loved righteousness, therefore the Lord your God has anointed you with the oil of joy. With the oil of joy. You want, you want, you want to have that joy? Well, you live right. You will be anointed with the oil of joy. 
Yeah, somebody said, well, it just feels right. Your feelings are fickle. You know, when Jeannie makes a pie, I feel like eating the whole thing. I mean, you, you, you know, look, I maybe shouldn't say this, but, but look, you, you can feel one way in the morning and completely different in the afternoon. I've been married 43 years. I know what I'm talking about. Somebody have a place I could stop this afternoon for a while. You know. You know. Somebody said to me, well, porn, you know, there, there's no victim, no harm, no foul. No, it's, it, it, it's, just, it's just all I do is look. It's all. Let me just tell you something. First, it kills the wonder. It kills the wonder of sex. But let me give you God's view on this. Proverbs 5. Drink water from your own cistern. Now, uh, this is very poetic language, right? And it's going to talk about a fountain, and the fountain refers to a man's sex drive. He doesn't need to work it up. It's just bubbling all the time. It refers to the, the woman's sex drive as a cistern or a well. Now, a cistern is a deep well with a cover on it, and you've got to get the cover off, and then you've got to go down deep and get the water, but when you get it out, it's like the best. So, so that's the imagery. <laughs> okay. That, that's the imagery that's being used here, okay? So we just, because you can read this otherwise and go like, what's he talking about? Okay. All right. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well, should your fountains, your sex drive, be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets? The answer is no. Let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed. Let your sex drive be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth as a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times. Amen. <laughs> it's the Bible. <laughs> and always, always, always be enraptured or intoxicated with her love. Here's what God said. Listen, listen, here's what God said. If you want the best sex that can possibly be had, put all of your sex drive in one direction towards your spouse and keep it there and you will miss nothing and you will have the best. The best, right? Well, let me, let me close. <laughs> I want to get home. Okay? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. <laughs> I want you to listen. This is important. Okay. <laughs> and we're changing subjects. Okay. Not, not many people have successfully invaded the British Islands. Hitler tried, failed. Napoleon tried and failed. In fact, the last time that Britain was invaded was in 1066. Most of us remember it from history. England was literally populated with the Anglo-Saxons. King Harold was, was king. Uh, the Normans crossed the channel 
And uh, they are under the leadership of William, who becomes William the Conqueror. It's the Battle of Hastings, 1066. But what most people don't know, not just that, that uh, Harold died, got an arrow in the eye, that William the Conqueror almost did not succeed that day. Harold was no pushover. He put his troops up on top of a long ridge. And the Normans came and after seven hours, they had gained no ground at all. And that's when William said, we're going to change our strategy. He said, as you attack, he said, I want you to fall back and act like you're defeated. And when they did, Harold and his troops came down after them and they got off the high ground. And when they got off the high ground, the battle turned and William and uh, the Normans won that day. And uh, by the way, they've been there ever since. Queen Elizabeth is, is William's 24th great granddaughter. But what happened was this. They got into a trap when they got off the ridge, when they got off the high ground. I want you to listen because this, there is such a spiritual analogy here. The Bible says, who's ever born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our, even our, for a Christian, the high ground is faith. When, when you stand against the enemy in faith, you will win. You will overcome when you stay in faith and stay on the high ground. But the devil will always try to get you off the high ground. He'll try to get you off the place of faith. And here's what he'll do. He'll tell you, well, just look at the circumstances. See, when you get into circumstances, you get off faith. It doesn't look like you're ever going to have any victory. It looks to me like you're defeated. It looks to me like you're going to stay bound. It looks to me like everything is going in the wrong direction. How many of you realize if you get into how it looks, you can lose? But if you stay in faith, you win. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things that are not seen. In other words, you stay in faith and you believe even when the circumstances don't look right. Because if you stay in faith, it may be you get buried, but you are going to get raised up and you're going to have victory. You just have to stay in faith and not in the circumstances. And the devil will try to get you in the past. He'll say, well, look at Nothing has ever happened like this before. And look at the failures that you've had. And look at the things that you've done. And God is never going to use you. God's never going to bless you. God's never going to answer your prayers. And he's going to try to get you to look at the past. But if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. And the Bible says not only are you made new when you get saved, but it says the outward man perishes. But the inward man is made new every day. Got that? How often? Every day. Every day. All that stuff in the past, it gets wiped out. How often? 
every day, every day, every day, every day. But the devil always tries to get you to look to the past because he knows if he can get you out of faith, faith gets you away from faith in the blood, faith that you're forgiven, faith that you've been made just as if you'd never sinned. He knows he gets you off the high ground. He can beat you up. And by the way, when the devil talks about his your past, just remind him of his future. Just go, devil, Revelation 2010. He knows it. He knows it. Yeah. And the devil is cast into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever. You just remind him about his future. Now, the other way the devil will try to get you off the high ground, we've already talked about it a little bit, is with feelings. How many of you sometimes don't feel all that saved, don't feel all that victorious, don't feel all that healed, and the devil will try to get you to go by feelings. And again, feelings come and feelings go. And the devil will try to get you to go, well, it doesn't look like it and it doesn't feel like it. I feel depressed. I feel overwhelmed. I feel like I'm over my head. I feel like I'm out of my depth. I just feel so defeated. But what you have to realize is if you go by your feelings, you will be defeated. But if you will stay in faith, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Everything the world, the flesh, and the devil can bring at you, even our faith, that Jesus took us to the cross with him, that he died and paid for our sin, that we were raised together with him, we're seated together with him in heavenly places far above all. Principality, power, might, dominion, every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in the world that is to come. In other words, you got the high ground. And you fight from the high ground. You're not the sick trying to get healed. You're the healed. He's trying to get sick. You are not the depressed trying to get encouraged. You are the encouraged. He's trying to depress. So you need to realize you're seated with him in heavenly places. And the Bible says that he is under your. Always stay in faith. Always attack the enemy from high ground. Because the faith is the high ground. And when you stay in faith, you win every single time. Would you please bow your heads for just a moment? If you're here and you're away from God today, or you simply don't know where you stand with God, I want you to listen. The Bible says know that you have everlasting life. You are not supposed to die and then find out if you made it to heaven. You're supposed to know that you're forgiven, that you're right with God, that you're on your way to heaven. And if you don't know that, you're not where you should be with God. So if you're away from God or you don't know where you should be with God, I want to pray with you today. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. And I know the enemy. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. And he'll tell you that you've gone too far, that the sin that you've, you've done, it's, it's just beyond redemption that the sex has been too perverted, that something, somehow, some relationship, it was too appalling. He, he will tell you, you've done too much. But listen, there is no pit so deep 
that God's love, grace, and the blood of Jesus will not reach down and lift you up and cleanse you and make you right with God. And if you're here today and you say, I want to pray a prayer to receive forgiveness and to surrender my life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand in just a moment when I say three. We'll pray and God's going to meet you right here in this place. As you lift your hand, you're saying, first of all, God, I know I need a Savior and I'm coming to Jesus to be saved and to be forgiven. One. As you lift your hand, you're saying, God, today, I am surrendering my life to Jesus and I'm holding nothing back. Two. Now get ready. As you lift that hand, you're saying, today, Jesus is going to come into my heart and I'm going to receive him. I'm going to live for him. He's going to blood wash me from my sin. My past is going to be gone. He's going to make me a new person on the inside, a part of your kingdom on my way to heaven. Three, lift that hand up. Pray with me. I'm not right. I want to get right. I see that hand and that hand and that hand. Are there others? Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Over here to my right. Thank you. God bless you. Way in the back. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Up in the balcony. So pray with me. I'm not where I should be, but I want to get right. Praise the Lord. Would everybody please stand? But nobody moving unless it's absolutely necessary. If you lifted your hand, please look right at me. Would you move to the aisle that's nearest you? Now, bring the person you brought that you came with. Bring whatever you, you came with. But come right down here. I'm going to come down here. We're going to pray. And God is going to meet you right here. And we're going to say amen in a moment. And when we do... Your past is going to be gone. You're going to be right with God. You're going to be forgiven. You're going to be a part of his kingdom. He's going to make you a new person on the inside. Jesus said angels in heaven are going to be rejoicing. Jesus said, confess me before men. I will confess you before my father who is in heaven. Wow. Romans 10, verse 13. Listen, this is what it says. It says, whosoever. That means you and you and you and you and you and you will call on the name of the Lord. And we're going to call on his name the way the Bible shows us to. And this is God's promise. Will be saved. Pray this prayer from your heart. Receive forgiveness. And surrender your life to Jesus. And when we say amen, you are going to be right with God. Ready? Everybody, please take one hand, put it over your heart, lift your other hand towards heaven where our help comes from, and let's all pray this together. Make these words your own. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again, and I believe he's coming again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. And I thank you. You have heard my prayer. That I'm forgiven. My past is gone. You make me a new person on the inside. I'm a part of your family. Today and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen.